0: Welcome to the Beyond the Diagnosis podcast with me, Dr. Kylie. Today, we're going to talk about all things thyroid. Whether you have thyroid medication, you have a thyroid diagnosis, or you swear you have thyroid problems, but your labs keep coming back normal, let me teach you why. Do you have Hashimoto's? Do people keep telling you that it's because you have Hashimoto's? Well, Hashimoto's is just an autoimmune condition. I'll teach you how to conquer that and put it in remission, too. It doesn't just need to be because you have Hashimoto's. If you think it's your thyroid, it probably is. But how to fix it might surprise you. Let's jump inside and learn more. Then come join me on May 3rd, Monday, for the Free to Heal Thyroid Six Week Program. There are multiple programs, so choose the one that's right for you. But we begin May 3rd. Go join and learn more at drkylieburton.com. See you Monday.
1: So, Dr. Kylie, thank you so much for doing this. This is going to be fun, actually. Yeah. Thanks, Amy. I'm excited because I want to see what you have, the the approach you take with
0: the thyroid and the approach I take with the thyroid. It could be a a great teamwork. Yeah. It's like a a
1: mastermind group here, all on the thyroid. I love it. All on thyroid.
0: Yeah. Mysterious gland that so many people get told, your labs are normal,
1: yet you have all of the symptoms. All of them. That's what I hear over and over again in my practice is, well, I was told I was normal, Well, my labs are fine. Uh, and that's just the thyroid labs. You dig even deeper into even just a CBC and what you see on there. And just from listening to you on other podcasts and on your own podcast, I've binged a little bit on your podcast, Beyond the Diagnosis. I have been looking at my patients' labs differently, even something like WBC. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. That's above a seven. You know? <laughs> I mean, you, yeah, you've opened my eyes to so much. So Yeah, that's why
0: I love numbers. Um, numbers never lie. And yeah. when you can look at a normal lab range and you can say, okay, you might be normal, but you're not ideal. And, and, I, and realistically, we want normal labs. Yeah, Because if they're not normal, then the, we have liver disease, kidney disease, cancer, um, whatever type of disease. They can plaster next to our name, give us a pill to manage the rest, it for the rest of our lives. But when we say, okay, the normal lab range, we're going to make it smaller. and We're going to say it's the ideal lab range. Mm-hmm. And now, if I fall outside of that, I don't feel good. Yep, but I'm not sick enough to have a disease. Yep. So we want normal lab ranges,
1: and it's that someone
0: to fix them, look at them differently.
1: Yeah, look at them the right way, and it's that whole model that we both learned in that functional medicine has. The, the target on the barn. So you're not hitting the side of the barn, you're hitting the target on the barn. And that might be a little bit more narrow than what you see on your standard lab value range when you get back your labs. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. So with
0: the labs and the target on the barn, we can also think about the iceberg. You see the tip of the iceberg over the water, but they have so much stuff going on underneath it. When it comes to the thyroid, I always say, you I know, mean, I, I treat the thyroid without treating the thyroid mm-hmm. because there are so many things affecting the thyroid. Trying to sink it, thinking about the thyroid swimming, and it's just swimming and swimming and swimming, trying to keep its head above the water. But there are so many poles, triggers, trying to pull it underneath the water and sink it. That if you remove all of those under the water components, now it's like, oh, my thyroid feels good, and you never had to touch the thyroid.
1: Oh, I like that. I like. I like. I like the iceberg analogy. I love using analogies because people. I, I just think people get them. You know, they yeah. can picture it and they go, oh, "Yeah, there's so much pulling me down." Here's yeah. another one for you. So the TSH lab yeah. range, that lab range that we're
0: told is normal, that normal range on any given lab it's different, but I average 0.5 to 5.5. That would be your normal TSH lab range, right? Mm-hmm. Well, finding your ideal TSH number within that range. It's like trying to find your favorite restaurant somewhere between California and New York. Good luck. Yes, I love it. Whereas we can say, we're going to take that normal ride range and we're going to condense it. Now it's, okay, try to find your favorite restaurant in Pennsylvania or Utah. Yep. Or Kansas. Like it's just, it's much better, much more, much narrower. Now it's like, okay, I can fit within this range. I'm feeling good. I have the energy. My hair's strong. I can lose the weight. Whereas if I'm outside of that range, now I'm not losing the weight. My hair is weak and thin. Maybe even I'm constipated. Brain fog is a big thing and forget the energy. It's gone.
1: gone. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I see too. So since we're on the TSH... We're just going to kind of roll with this conversation. Since we're on the TSH, I personally, since I'm actually T3 only, and my journey is a long one, I've I've tried to go back on T4. just doesn't work. All my hyposymptoms come back. I have no idea whether I'm DIO1, DIO2. I, I don't know. I've never done genetic testing. I just know how I respond. So T3 only, obviously, my TSH is in the toilet but that's where i feel best. now a, a conventional doc would look at that and freak out. but there's really nothing i can do short of lowering my dose and having all the hypo symptoms come back and then i'm 20 pounds heavier and my hair's falling out and i have no energy to do anything. what are your what's your take on suppressed tsh when people are on t3 medication of any kind?
0: well let's let's back up and let's look at the thyroid from a from a cascade range here. So your thyroid is one piece of the puzzle, one piece of the system. That system is comprised of three key components. The top dog, the very top of the food chain, his name is hypothalamus. We're going to call him H. And then we go down the hypothalamus talks to P, our pituitary. And if we were to draw a line down the middle of our head, that's where the pituitary gland sits, this little tiny gland that produces TSH. That pituitary gland is responsible for producing TSH, not the thyroid. And a lot of people get that confused. They think, even doctors, they think TSH is produced by the thyroid because, you know, that's what everybody takes to determine your thyroid health. When reality reality, it's not produced by the thyroid, it's produced by P. But P uses it to talk to T, the thyroid. Yep. So if we say, okay, if we have a depressed TSH or a low TSH, to me, that TSH should be between 1.8 and 3. That's my ideal hit range. I don't come up with that range. A genius did with millions of letters next to his name, Dr. Karazian. So if it's less than 1.8 or greater than 3, I say, okay, now we're not feeling good, but we're not enough to say hypothyroid, hyperthyroid. right? And if TSH is low, then I look back and I'll say, okay, if my pituitary produces TSH, what's making my pituitary struggle? And there's two factors. That first factor is stress, the adrenal glands. The second factor is another lovely word called inflammation. So you got stress and inflammation. Those two big things literally slow down our pituitary, which lowers our TSH. Mm -hmm. Now, Amy, you're probably like me. You tell a mom in our shoes to figure out something that they can remove from their life to make it less stressful I'm going to sit there and laugh at you because I got nothing. Right. You know, I'm grateful for a five minute shower by myself. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if I can say, let's figure out what's causing stress on the inside of our bodies, remove it. Mm-hmm. And now not only are we remo- removing an internal stressor, but chances are that internal stressor is also causing the inflammation So now we've got two birds with one stone. We remove that, our pituitary is more free, our TSH goes up, and the whole cascade below it is much more efficient at what they do. Now you're all thinking, how do I determine what's inside my body causing all this stress? Blood work. Yep. We all have it. We all have this blood work, and it's normal, because remember, we want normal labs. So our blood work, the normal lab... White blood cell count. It's the number one, the top marker on a CBC. I guarantee you, if you have blood work, your doctor took this on you. It's like the number one standard lab. So that white blood cell count, if it's less than five or greater than eight, the infection and infection is causing your stress from the inside. Mm -hmm. And causing the inflammation. Correct. Right. Once again white blood cell count, WBC. Go grab your labs, check them. If it's less than five or greater than eight, you have an infection that's one of those big, big, big components underneath the water trying to pull your thyroid down and sink it. Yep. So then once you remove the infection, it's like, whoa, my TSH goes up. And then my TSH talks to my thyroid. My thyroid then produces T4. And then T4 has to get converted into T3. Mm-hmm. That conversion takes place in two locations, the gut and the liver. So you have four factors of destroying your thyroid. And if you remove those four factors or, or make them heal and efficient, now it's like, well, my thyroid's great. And I didn't even touch my thyroid.
1: Stress, inflammation, gut, liver. Beautiful. So staying on the WBC, let's say someone has their labs right now. They're like, oh my gosh, okay, I have an infection. I'm outside of that range that Kylie just said. How do you determine what the infection is? Then what would you do to, to further test? Are you doing EBV? Are you doing Lyme? What are you doing? I want just the regular CBC because that
0: CBC, won't. you, you have the white blood cell count that's at the very top of the page. Mm-hmm. And then I pray that when I pull medical records, 90% of the time this is there, sometimes it's not, and I just want to ring the doctor's neck because mm-hmm. it's easier to just check the box next to it that includes the differential portion. Now, going through school, to me, the differential portion of the wipe, of the CBC was irrelevant. I didn't know anything about it, didn't know what it means. Now, if it, with the functional medicine training I have, now it's like, if you don't include that part, I will get so frustrated. I will want to call up the doctors, whoever ordered those labs, and be like, listen, this is the lab that you should have been taking, not just regular CBC. Because what you can determine is what type of infection that is with this differential portion of the lab. So if you have your labs in your possession, you're thinking, you look up the top and it says CBC with diff. That's a good thing. That's what you want. Okay, so you can determine whether it's a viral, bacterial, parasitic. The only thing you can't determine based off of this lab is fungal, those types of infections. So go from the white blood cell count, less than 5, greater than 8, Infection? Okay. Then I'm going to jump down lower in that same set of labs, I'm going to see this word called neutrophils. Neutrophils, their job is to fight bacteria. So if your neutrophil percentage, this is a percentage one, not the absolute value, so make sure it's the percentage. If your neutrophil percentage is above 60%, you have a bacterial infection. But it's not a bacterial infection that you're going to go get H. pylori, eat C. diff, E. coli, campylobacter, whatever bacterial component they want to test for, it won't come back positive because this is a low-grade, hidden bacterial infection. Most commonly, SIBO, Mm -hmm. small intestinal bacterial
1: overgrowth, a gut problem. Circling back to the gut. Everything's (laughs) connected. I love it. Everything's connected. Yeah. And when it comes to SIBO,
0: and CFO, which is the fungal component of it, the two of them go hand in hand. And I have a tremendous success conquering these two things. When I've seen so many people who have tried antibiotics or they've tried somebody else, some other person's route, and it's like, listen, we're going we're to use this stuff because it works. You're going to get in, get the job done, and move on. Mm-hmm. So the bacterial infection is probably is the second most common. The first. The most common infection, especially when it comes to Hashimoto's, in fact, the most common infection that triggers the onset of Hashimoto's is viral component, Epstein-Barr virus. Yeah. And research shows that over 90% of us always have this virus in us. It's there. It's just a matter of, is it active? Mm -hmm. And is it so active that I literally can't even walk up five stairs Or is it just, hey, it's just a little bit active. I just don't feel like myself, but I know something's not right, but nothing's coming up in the labs. It's not going to. The only way to get that test positive is literally to be so exhausted, you can't walk up five stairs. But if you're still like just in survival mode, you could still have this viral virus somewhat active that's still one, destroying your thyroid, two, the onset of autoimmune diseases, including Hashimoto's,
1: and three, why do I just feel like crap and nobody can tell me why? Now you know. And so many doctors don't test for that. I see when, when, when asking for EBV, I see, I would say nine out of 10, just like you said, so many of us have it. Nine out of 10 come back, either active or non-active, but dormant. But it totally ties into why they have Hashi and why they feel like garbage. And and they didn't even realize, you know, I say it comes from having mono, but it could have been, maybe you were just really sick when you were 12 and you don't even remember, it's not like you landed in the hospital and the doctor said, you have mono. You know, maybe you were just, it's a really bad cold. The other problem with it is if
0: you do get tested, you know this, Mm -hmm. And people, listeners know this. They get tested positive. The doctor says, okay, now go home and sleep for three months. Good luck. Work it off. You know, we got nothing for you. When in our world, it's like, no, that's a viral component. And I have this incredible supplement called Vivi. You got to get on this one. Vivi is an antiviral supplement and it knocks these low-grade viruses to the curb so fast. But without testing for Epstein-Barr virus, you can still know if there's a viral component within those normal labs, right? So yep. the normal lab, for we talked about the neutrophils. Neutrophils fight bacteria. Then the next guy below neutrophils is called lymphocytes. Mm-hmm. Lymphocytes, their job is to fight viruses. So if your lymphocyte percentage is above 30%, you've got some type of virus active at some level. Low activity, maybe it's higher activity, but it's not so high that the positive Epstein-Barr virus is going to come up. But you can know, based off of normal blood work, what is my stressor inside my body? Is it it an infection? Yes. What type of an infection is it, bacterial or viral? Lymphocytes greater than 30% viral. You can also know monocytes, which is the next marker below it, monocytes are literally mono you are fighting a low grade Epstein-Barr virus mono is also what we call it yep. at some level and if it's lower than 7% now it's you know it's just it's just there it's not playing a factor at that moment when the blood work was taken mm-hmm. but if it's above 7% now we have a viral component that we've got to take care of otherwise no healing is going to take place but it's not going to become an Epstein-Barr virus positive test until it gets like 12%, 13 14%. Like it's got to be extreme to even get an, a positive test on, the, on an EBV test. But if it's still low activity and it's in that 8 9%, 10% range, it's definitely affecting you and your energy and your thyroid. Okay. All off of normal blood work that you all have in your own position. It's just looking at it in a different way than what regular physicians are trained on. And it's not like your doctor wants to fail you. They're doing the best that they can. They just have a very limited toolkit.
1: And no time. I always no say time. they're they're yes. looking for that H or the L, or they're looking for it to be red. And then if it's red or there's an H or an L next to it, they might stop. They might not. They might keep going. But you know, you have a better chance if it's flagged of them actually paying attention to it. But yeah. they're not looking at it from a functional perspective, an optimal perspective.
0: And, and generally, even from a functional medicine world, numbers are terrifying to doctors, to practitioners, to coaches, because if you have that number, you're responsible for it. And if you don't catch something, it could be bad news, mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons why I pull my medical records. Well, not really. That's not really a reason, but it's just easier and then two, if you look at it from a different standpoint and you can say, even though my labs are normal, I can figure out what's going on underneath the the level of the water, what's hidden underneath that, that cascade of the, can you think of it, the iceberg? There we go. Uh-huh. What's hidden underneath the iceberg? I can find that just based off of my normal labs. But like, for example, I had this one lady, she, a couple months ago, I guess it's March now, so it's been about six months ago. She... I got her, I pulled her medical records because she kept having, like she woke up one morning and her shoulder just, it was literally like frozen shoulder. She couldn't move her right shoulder. And as a 31 year old mom with two young kids, like that's not an option. She's got to be able to move her shoulder. Right. And, And over the next few weeks, it started to creep into all of her other joints. So now she's got joint pain all over her body, but her shoulder was really the primary key focus. So she's getting cortisone injections. She's getting manual therapy. She's getting massages. Like All of this stuff, all this treatment is focusing directly on her shoulder because that's where the pain is, right? Mm -hmm. So my thing is let's stop chasing symptoms and let's stop worrying about a diagnosis and let's just start figuring out the why because does a diagnosis really tell you anything about a why? I don't
1: know.
0: Chronic fatigue syndrome.
1: Uh That's a diagnosis. Yeah.
0: Does it tell you anything about why you were chronically fatigued? No, it just says, I'm tired. Well, no, duh, I'm tired. Right. Right? Fibromyalgia, don't even get yeah. me started.
1: Oh, gosh. No, I can't even. Yeah. So,
0: <laughs> so she has this shoulder, and I, I'm, I always pull medical records. I want to see what the labs say. And she's got this white blood cell count that's 18 point something. Oh. And it's supposed to be between five and eight, right? I'm thinking, okay, one, it was already flagged with the age, and then, so I asked her, I said, what did your doctor say to you when you when he handed you these labs? And he, she's, he's, she's like, you know, he looked at the labs and he's like, you have like that, that marker is high, but it has nothing to do with your shoulder. So we're not going to worry about it. In my world, that had everything to do with her shoulder. Mm-hmm. Did it say shoulder pain or frozen shoulder? No. But it's saying, I've got systemic problems. I've got something in stressor inside my body that's causing inflammation. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Then I jump down and I figure out, okay, what type of infection is it? For her, it was a bacterial component, a big time one. It was 88% neutrophils. They should be below 60%. So I know her neutrophils are working really, really hard, meaning that there is a bacterial infection somewhere inside her. Do I know what type of bacterial infection it is? No. Do I care? No. All I care about is one, I had the supplements that worked to treat it. And then two, so three months later, we killed the bacterial infection. We rehabbed her gut, frozen shoulder, joint pain's gone. gone. But it's because we pulled the labs and we saw, okay, I'm not going to focus on the shoulder because everybody else is. And if I want different results, I have to look at things differently, not like everybody else, or I'm going to get the same results as everybody else.
1: Exactly. Yep. And and I think conventional medicine tends to compartmentalize. So you know, shoulder, frozen shoulder, orthopedic, you know, uh, diabetes, Specialist. thyroid, and endocrinologist. And it's like, it, it, no, it, it can cross over. And, tie, and that's the beauty of functional medicine is that we look at a person as a whole. And, and just like I said earlier, everything is tied together. So let's tie it all together. And when you see that beautiful picture of this connected to this and this is why you feel over here and this is over here. I mean, it's just, I mean, for me, I get geeked out on labs. I love lab work. because so I'm like, oh, look, there it is. This yeah. is beautiful. Here's the picture. Yeah, you can determine a lot
0: of stuff based off of the lab work if you know how to read or write. And then, and then I always tell people, like your body's one incredible machine, one incredible machine with multiple systems. And those systems play a role. They impact each other. So just looking at your endometriosis with an endometriosis specialist, one I know more than they do and and two that's a that's a tunnel vision or just looking at your thyroid or just looking at diabetes or just looking at whatever it is. Like it's your body's one incredible machine with multiple systems that affect each other. So you've got to get each system running very efficiently and then they're all going to play happy and nice with each other. I like that. Mm-hmm,
1: so tie it back to the gut since we're talking about all the systems connecting and we can go back to infections too. We can just keep circling around, but the gut. So what do you like to look at testing-wise for the gut? Do you like GI map, GIFX? Do you look at just normal blood work to determine something going on in the gut? You mentioned SIBO, so kind of expand because I know a lot of listeners right now have been diagnosed with IBS. And IBS is just like fibromyalgia. It's that blanket diagnosis because they really can't- You got gut exactly. problems. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, you got a gut problem. Well, no, no shit. No kidding. Like, really. I mean, I know I have a gut problem because I have all these issues. So what do you look at then? You can run GI maps. You can run GI effects You can
0: run all sorts of things. You scroll through Facebook and literally I scroll through Facebook. I've got a food sensitivity panel on my Facebook page and- irritate the crap out of me. I've got, what was the other one? Thrive says that they have a microbiome test that will solve all of your gut issues. So-and-so has a magic pill. Literally, this is all on my Facebook feed. We are getting bombarded with all this false gut crap information. Yeah. There's no magic pill one-size-fits-all for gut. No. There's no magic test for gut. Right. Yes, there are tests out there and they are becoming more accurate probably every day as they work on the accuracy. But the more, I mean, even what we learn about the gut itself continues to evolve every single day. They call it the second brain. We're just learning that you're literally your gut can work without any other nerves. It will still work. Literally, it's a second brain. Yep. So we're, we're constantly, constantly, constantly learning. Yes, there are those lab tests out there but they're pricey. They are. And I don't like racking up the bill.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm with you. So if
0: I can find something else that's going to get me the same results, but a different way, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to those Facebook ads, ignore them, guys. A $99 test kit is not going to solve your problems. Right. (laughs) A $60 pill, it might help for a short while, but there's no magic probiotic out there either.
1: Oh gosh, yeah, don't take probiotics every day,
0: by the way, right? Yes. <laughs> well, we can, that's a whole nother conversation. Um, so when it comes to the, the gut stuff and the testing, you can actually, the best way to determine if you have parasites and if they are affecting your health is just through a regular CBC. So we talked about the neutrophils, we've talked about the lymphocytes, we've talked about the monocytes. The next marker is what we call eosinophils. Those eosinophils, they're going to be my parasite indicators. And they're going to tell me if it's above 3%, I'm dealing with some parasites. And that's probably you know a fourth of what I see, maybe even a little bit less. And I pull thousands and thousands of labs. So the most common infection is the viral component. Then the second would be the bacterial. And the third would actually be the combination of them both. So I often see that where they have the bacterial component plus the viral component And the last but not least is the parasitic component. And just based off of that CBC with differential, I can determine a whole lot about what's going inside the gut and have great success rehabbing someone's, I call it a gut rehab, and it's literally destroy, heal, and replenish. What do I have to destroy? Bacterial, viral, fungal, parasitic. If it's a bacterial, I always can tackle
1: the fungal at the same time. This does not have to be a prescription. No. Just to clarify because people think, oh, antifungal. Yeah, I got that. I got that script up in my my cupboard from my doctor for that.
0: Yeah, and a lot of times that's a. I mean, it tackles the fungal component, but you don't do anything afterwards. And You can't just destroy without rebuilding. You, I mean, you can, and you can end up in a hurting with other things 10 years later or it's a constant battle with fungal components candida overgrowth how many women are constantly fighting a uti or candida i mean it's a long-term process because it's all about destroying 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 never about the rest of the process mm-hmm. so once you destroy you've got to replenish with the good guys otherwise there's nothing there to fight back at it so my my three-step gut rehab would, would be the one what do i have to destroy I don't need a GI map or a GIFX map to do that. You can get those. And I've had people take those tests from other practitioners, naturopaths, whatever you want to call them. And then I pull them, of course. And they're very detailed. And the funny thing is, is this blows my mind. But people, practitioners, functional medicine doctors, whatever you want to call yourself in your background, they're taking these lab tests, handing them over to the patient and not saying a word about them. Um, How is that any different from your doctor handing you blood work and not saying a word about it? If you're taking these lab tests, ladies and gentlemen, be sure that the person who is taking the lab test knows what to do about the results. Mm -hmm. All too common, they don't. They know that these lab tests are there. They know that they're going to give them some good information. They have no idea how to read it. And these aren't simple labs these are complex labs the same thing with an organic acid test it's like one of the best tests out there for chronic fatigue in my opinion i used to take it all the time but now that i know how to read blood work like i do i don't even worry about it yeah but it's out there and I pull people's O tests, organic acid tests from other practitioners. And then the the patient says to me, Well, I have this test. I have no idea what it means or what the results are because nobody yep. ever discussed it with me. Blows my mind yep. that people are actually out there talk taking labs and then not doing a thing about it, especially when these labs are four, five, six, seven hundred dollars each. Crazy. Yeah. It's not simple twenty dollar copay thing. This is stuff that you pay cash for and it's expensive. But your regular CBC, if it's red, right, can tell you a whole lot about your inner systems and how to relieve the internal
1: stress so that whatever you're doing works. See, this is beautiful because I'm, I'm the same mindset as you. Save the patient money. Let's not do all these crazy tests. Now, I just had a GI map test done. I don't know the results yet. I'm going to meet with one of the... People there, diagnostic solutions to go over it. But honestly, I just did it because I can. I mean, you know, I'm curious, but would I use a $370 test on patients when they're paying me and they're, they're going to have to get supplements, supplements. and they're going to have to change their food and they're going to have to do all... No, why? If, if we can use basic covered by insurance labs or you know, go to Ulta and order something for a hundred bucks or something, let's do that instead of these specialized, functional. I'm with you. I'm completely 100% with you there.
0: Yeah. And people spend thousands and thousands of dollars on it. when I'm like, you've got blood work. You've already donated the blood. Yep. You've already spent the co-pays on it. You've already spent the time on it. The answers are there. You have them. You just need a different person reading them. That's all. Yep. Pretty cool. That's the way I tackle the thyroid is figuring out what's my internal stressor, relieving mm-hmm. it, do some gut rehab, make sure that that liver is rocking and rolling. So you've got the TSH, the free T4 and the free T3 there and everything under the water is resolved. Now it's like, okay, do I need to focus specifically on the thyroid at this point? And if so, let's do it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's beautiful. Now, what about the free T3 and free T4? I tend to like reverse T3 and free T3 is the main markers Make sure that those are optimal, reverse below a 12, free T3, 3.5-ish or above, depending on how the person feels. What are your markers for that?
0: I like the three, TSH, free T3, and free T4, simply mm-hmm. because of my breakdown. Okay. you know The HPT access, the P produces TSH, the thyroid produces free T4, so I need to know what that number is to see how the thyroid's doing. And if your free T4 is all over the place, your TSH is all over the place, sometimes it's like 0.7, sometimes it's 27, Sometimes the next time it's 6 and the next time it's 22. If it's all over the place and the thyroid medication isn't working or you feel like it's working at some point or you're just taking it because someone so told you to take it, so you are, make sure you get the TPO and TG antibodies as well. Yeah, You've got to rule out the Hashimoto's. Right. And shockingly, they're rarely taken I know. I pull so many dang labs, and it's like, seriously, doc, check the other check the box next to what you ever j- just checked. Because yeah. you're missing so many puzzle pieces. And when people say, Well, Kylie, what what labs should I get? The more puzzle pieces you have, the better. CBC yeah. with differential, metabolic panel, lipid panel, vitamin D. Yeah. Hit that vitamin D level, lipid panel. A thyroid panel. What I include in my thyroid panels, the TSH, the free T4, the free
1: T3, and the TPO and TG antibodies. I want I want those Definitely. five things. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I you love it when one antibody comes back too. Like, like it, they'll only have TPO tested, but not TG. It's like, yeah. <laughs> thanks for half of the puzzle. You could be missing something here. Yeah. Yeah, but when you know, like you
0: know, when you look at patterns and you see these patterns, like we're treating for Hashimoto's, and because we're going to treat for Hashimoto's and autoimmune component, we've got to completely switch gears. And yeah. Now, for my autoimmune units, one find the trigger, two calm the immune system down, three rehab the gut because your gut is your immune system.
1: Hmm. Yep, so definitely, definitely. I had one patient that she she did respond well to T3. She had a partial thyroidectomy and. Then her physician put her on T4 only, you know, so for years, suffered, suffered, suffered. She did change to T3. We added T3 in and gradually increased that because she had a high reverse T3. But what we found was she was never diagnosed with Hashimoto's because they tested maybe one time. And of course, they it, it can come back as a false negative depending on what's going on, never was tested again, but they took half of her thyroid out. We still treat like it's Hashi. And, and when you do that, the patient improves because 95% of hypothyroidism is Hashimoto's anyway. So it's a shame when when people are tested maybe one time 10 years ago, oh no, I was told I didn't have Hashimoto's. Well, okay, let's test again.
0: Yeah, even Hashimoto's are not Hashimoto's. Just take care of the gut. Yeah. So, so Amy, when you're looking at Reverse T3 and Hashis. Let's start off with reverse T3. What is your key treatment for a
1: low reverse T3? So for low reverse T3, it's you know it's about looking at the whole picture, right? So. Yeah. How much T3 medication are they on versus T4? Are they on T3 only? Are they doing other things like a keto diet or something like that that would lower it? So kind of taking that into, I rarely see too low of a reverse. Normally it's too high. Normally it's the people that are either blown out of the water, like 24, not quite cresting 25, so they don't get flagged, but they're like 23, 24, and they're on a boatload of T4. You know, they're on like, 137 micrograms of T4. Yeah. And when you say yeah. T4, we're talking
0: levothyroxine and synthroid. Thetroid. Yep. Those are your two big ones. Yep. Levothyroxine yep. is the third most common prescription in the entire world. Wasn't
1: it first at some point?
0: I'm sure it was first at some point, but then yeah. antidepressants. Antidepressant. It.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that's normally what I see. I normally see, or I'll see the person that's on that teeter. Of, of being too high in reverse. So somebody coming in at like 16, 17, you're, the free T3 is like, I just had this last week, 2.3. So again, not being flagged, but at the bottom of the barrel, and then they have all the symptoms. So just it's, just it's usually just too much T4 med. It's these people that, yes, they were diagnosed. So A, they got diagnosed, yay. So they, you know, the typical patient thinks, okay, great. Now I have an answer. Now I'll get a pill to finally feel better. And they get stuck on T4, and time goes on, time goes on. They keep increasing the dose, increasing the dose, increasing the dose, patient never feels better, but nobody's doing thorough testing. Nobody's looking at underlying conditions. Nobody's looking at infections or the gut, or are you converting? Um, What about hormones, estrogen dominance, insulin resistance, all of that that will interfere with conversion, and no one's testing the reverse T3. So you have people on boatloads of T4, high reverse T3. They're not converting. You look further. Oh, your your insulin is a, a 12. Again, that's not being flagged either, but I like insulin below a six. one C's 5.6, 5.7. Doctor says, hey, no, don't no, worry about it. Don't worry about it, it's not, a about it, not 6.0 yet. Yeah, exactly. So it's all those factors. I rarely see a low reverse T3, but I, I see teeter-tottering high, well, cresting over the optimal, above a 12, above a 15 reverse T3.
0: Do you find that most of your patients don't even need medications? No, I find that most
1: of them do, just even a little bit. Just a little bit makes that, that world of difference. Sometimes we'll do synthetics, which are fine. I'm not opposed to synthetics. I even hate the name because people kind of tend to, like, oh, I don't want to do it on a synthetic medication. It's like synthetic hormones get a bad rap. Well, synthetic thyroid, it's really not that bad. Some people do better on it. Um, or we'll do just a little bit of armor, a little bit of naturopathoid MP when they weren't being recalled. So just even sometimes when they're teetering on that, that verge and they've just had enough, they've been dealing with symptoms forever, they have a low free T3, I like just giving just a little bit to raise them up. And then sometimes it's while we're dealing with the the other symptoms so, or the other conditions, you like infections and SIBO and EBV and high insulin and estrogen dominance. And then once we get that under control, then we can say, okay, let's, play around with the dose and maybe come off, maybe come down, do something like that. Nice. I like it. Yeah. Um, What about you? Do you find, I mean, do you keep people off medication or do you notice that some of your patients need at least some? Usually they can get off
0: of it, but it's a work, it's a progress. Like, and I don't ever get people on, take off of it immediately. Mm -hmm. Usually it's like, okay, it's part of the process is, Let's tackle the gut. Then the next process is hormones. And when we when we get into that hormone phase, now we can start weaning off the thyroid medication. And then last but not least, the the heavy metal detox. And I always say detox done right because there's a million and a half detoxes out there, but you got to do a detox done right. Otherwise, it's not going to be effective. And the way that the thyroid works with the heavy metals is literally because of the fat content in your thyroid. It's one of the favorite places for heavy metals to hang out. Mm-hmm. So you can be doing all the other stuff, but if we're dealing with environmental factors or our body's handling a toxic load, it's going to hang out in our thyroid, our liver, our gut, and our adrenals. Mm-hmm. It's where it loves to hang out and possibly even our brain giving us brain fog. So mm-hmm. it's literally, we got to just get you healthy and get your body in an ideal and healing environment. And then once we do, it's like, whoa, I didn't know I could feel this. good.
1: Yeah, exactly. But a lot of
0: people are taking thyroid medication and they're just taking it to take it. Because they were told at some point they needed to take it, and and I did a whole episode on thyroid medication and specifically going into um, like wheat and corn and the the synthetic versus the bioidenticals and you know all that that world of thyroid meds that we don't even understand as practitioners, many of us, mm-hmm. and then cracking into you know I didn't even know this until I was doing some research, but when you look at like synthroid and, and label thyroxin. The 50 milligram tablet mm-hmm. has no red, no dyes or artificial colorings or any additives in it. Don't ask me why it's only the 50 gram mil- milligram tablet, but it is. So okay. if you're looking at like a hundred milligram dosage, you'd re- you'd be better off taking two 50 milligram tablets because now you're got not getting interference with red dyes or, or additives or anything else. I have no idea why it's that way, but 50 milligrams is like the key pill dosage there. So if you were to do 25, you take the 15, you cut it in half. In half. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Now what about Tiracin? Do you like that? That's a little bit more pure, quote unquote.
0: You know, I really don't do with medication much to be honest with you. It's not my forte. My goal is to just say, let's get you healthy. And if you need it, you need it. And if you don't, you don't. And if you do need it, what type of dosage is needed? And then I have them work with their primary care doctor. And I and I tell people, no matter what medication they're on, like what does your doctor need for to see? In order to get you off of this. Go ask them because we need to have our goal. We need to have that marker, whether it's blood work, whether it's symptoms, whatever it is. And a lot of times they'll just say, oh, well, if you don't feel like you need it, then just don't take it. Like that's literally the most common response that people get when they do go ask. And so it's just, hey, let's ask and let's see what the possibilities can be and let's work towards it.
1: Yeah. Well, I've had doctors say that to patients before we've worked on anything and then they crash. Because they oh yeah, this probably isn't working. Well, no, it's not working because you're on T4 only and it's probably not working, but it's doing something that if you go off of it cold turkey and you don't address any underlying conditions, you're going to crash. Yeah. And you're going to feel worse than you ever believed that you were feeling before. So, And people who have
0: experienced that hesitate. Like, oh, well, I tried it already. I'm like, well, you did, but you went cold turkey and you didn't do anything else to help it. You just said, I'm not... Take my thyroid medication. So you didn't take your thyroid medication. And it's yep. there for a reason. It's there to help you to, to get the energy, to get the hair strength, the brain fog go away. You know, even constipation is a big thyroid component. Huge. but So don't just go to cold turkey and make sure you work with your doctor, your pharmacist or whoever. And then do all the work necessary to get your thyroid and to get your healing from the internal side and work out.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. So you mentioned liver. Let's go to the ALT, AST. Well, no, that's kidney function. Let's let's talk about all DTA. ALT, AST is liver. ALT, AST is liver. Okay. So where do you like that? Because I've been seeing a lot more elevated liver enzymes- recently, and my theory is just, I mean, the world we live in, mm-hmm. you know, the, the amount of processed food and toxins that are in, then prescription medications, and then bad supplements with fillers, they're buying them at Wegmans or Walmart. I mean, do, where do you That's like the AST, and then what do you do?
0: I like them to be between 10 and 26 That's my range. And I shouldn't say that's my range. It's Dr. Karassian's range. So I just stick with it. Between 10 and 26, and I, like you, have seen a lot. I would say at least 80% of the lab I see have those elevated liver enzymes. And to me, it literally is a product of our environment. And when we speak about heavy, painful periods and endometriosis, a lot of times Mm -hmm. thyroid, endo, and PCOS go hand in hand, and they're dealing with all of them at the same time. And endometriosis is where that estrogen level is high dealing with the liver component because your liver mm. is so busy doing other crap, taking care of other stuff that the estrogen comes in, it hangs out for a little while and then says, like, well, nothing's happened to me. So I'm going to go back into the bloodstream and go hang out some more. Yep. And then the heavy, painful period gets worse and worse and worse until finally you're like begging your doctor, hysterectomy, please, you know? And when you're 20 years old and you're told birth control or or hysterectomy and you're wanting to have kids in the future, Like those aren't options no. for you. Yeah. So the liver is a big component, not only with the T3 and T4 conversion because it's that gut-liver component, but it's crucial for thyroid or for hormones in general. Mm-hmm. All your hormones got to go through the liver to get broken down and eliminated. And if it's so busy doing other things, then that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the first key components with endometriosis and heavy, painful periods. And so let's just relieve some burden off of the liver. So whether it's like lowering your toxic load, if you look at the most common three things around your house and you say, okay, I use my shampoo and conditioner a lot. Are they helpful to my toxic load or are they making it worse? Right. Do I need to upgrade products? Right. Right. Just yeah. simple, simple things like that. Lowering our toxic load can be a huge factor for the liver. But if you do see your liver enzymes, those ALT and AST markers above 26, don't think you have liver disease. Just say, my liver is working way too hard. How can I help it? Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. What are some of the suggestions you have for people to lower well, that toxic load? It
1: definitely. So I had two thoughts when you are talking. I mean, number one, just like you said, all of the the things around your house or what you're doing or what you're putting on. You know, when you get out of the shower and you slather on the Bath and Body Works scented pear lotion that smells so good, don't. Like that is actually going into your skin. You just stepped out of a hot shower, your pores are open. Anything that you put on your body is gonna go in. So simple things like that, simple changes of getting rid of the phthalates and the BPAs. And, you know, a lot of people will buy BPA-free water bottles, but they're still toxic because they'll just use bisphenol F or bisphenol S. And yes, they can say it's BPA-free because it is BPA-free, but you're still leaching chemicals into the water that's going to burden your liver as well. And then what you said earlier, don't just go out and buy a detox kit that you saw advertised on Facebook or in a Facebook group or that your you know, friend heard her boyfriend's sister's aunt is using and it works really well. You know, you know, I have so many so many husbands, like literally take the internet
0: away from their wives because yes. they are so reliant upon Google MD. Yes. And they come up with the craziest things and their husbands are like, okay, stop, you're no longer allowed. To use the internet, either on your phone or the computer. Yeah. It's absurd out there. It's crazy. And and the amount of products in the supplement world, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. And I literally saw a Facebook ad and I was appalled by it. This Facebook ad literally said, hey, we can help you create your own supplement line and sell it. Literally a Facebook ad to anybody in the public can create their own supplement line and sell it. That's the kind of stuff we're dealing with in the supplement
1: world. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's bombarded. And and how many supplement companies that were once good five, 10 years ago have been bought out by Nestle and Amway. And I mean, just, it's crazy. So the quality is going to go down. So what you maybe even once thought was really, really good, it might not be anymore because they're going to cut costs. They're not going to use the top-notch bulk ingredients. They're not going to care about the scientific result. Yeah. 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 It's, I've it's, even seen what people order on Amazon.
0: You open it up, you order the same product, two different things.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: well, the same product twice and the capsules are not the same.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I have a, I have a video that I send all my patients and I actually put it on YouTube where this documentary was made, oh gosh, I, I want to say probably late 90s, early 2000s. I even forget the documentary. I mentioned it in the video. But it's this guy, it's a big like bodybuilding fitness world documentary, But even back then, he shows how counterfeit the supplement world is. He literally goes and gets a couple immigrant workers, brings them back to his apartment, sits them down at the table, has empty capsules, and he's doing this just to show how easy it is. He's like, okay, here I am mixing up some baby laxative and rice bran powder and inositol, and he gives it to these guys, and they're sitting there filling the capsules, He has a a labeler. So it looks like a professional, beautiful label that you would see on any supplement bottle, just a white bottle with a nice label. He seals it. He's got a little professional sealer. Boom. He goes, okay, now I just spent $3 on this and I can sell on Amazon for 60. I mean, there you go. You you don't buy supplements or beauty products on Amazon. You just don't. Don't get them off the grocery store shelves either. Uh, Right, Exactly.
0: Yeah, supplement world is, it's a crazy world out there. It just uh, just kills me when people, you know, they bring in their duffel bags full of supplements or they have an entire cupboard full of supplements and, and even the essential oil world, like let's not even start into that world. Yeah. But there's, like you look at it and it's like thousands of dollars sitting right there. And my thing is, is if you're going to take a supplement, it needs to do its job and be done with it. Bingo. You don't just need to take this to survive. Mm-hmm. whatever it is. Like my big question and when I, whenever I'm recommending supplements is, do I need this? Is it going to get the job, job done? Mm-hmm. Or is this something that you just have to take for the rest of your life to survive? It's no different than a pharmaceutical. right? And yet because it's natural, we put it in a different category where we can say, oh, well, I need this homeopathy because it's a liver homeopath and, and I need it just to help my liver for the rest of my life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, fine, do that if you want, but I'm
1: not a fan of it. And there are liver support supplements that we can use, or liver, I mean, I guess I'll say liver detox, but I use the term detox very lightly. But there are certain things that we can use to support the liver to properly methylate hormones and and get rid of toxins that, yeah, you only do it for, maybe you just do it once a quarter, Mm -hmm. you know, just, it's like spring cleaning, and and then put it back on the shelf and be done with it. Don't stay on it forever.
0: Yeah, Amy. I know you mentioned something about probiotics. Give us give us your your opinion on probiotics. Oh, I like I- different people's opinions and not just from mm-hmm. myself.
1: Right, right. So I would say ninety percent of the patients that come to me when they list their supplements that they're on. Or when I was brick and mortar, they would bring in the bag. They bring in the duffel bag. But now, even you know, virtual, they'll show me their supplement cabinet. Everybody is on a probiotic. Even they might be even on like Activia, you know. But it's it's it drives me crazy because they really truly believe that taking this probiotic daily, and they might have been on they might be on it for five years without a break. They believe that this is what is going to be the miracle cure for their gut. This is it. This is what they've heard in the community. Everybody's on a probiotic. Probiotics are the next shiny object. And everyone is on one for way too long, over and over again, never stopping. I'll tell you, I use probiotics, A, before and after, like if I'm having a surgery or something, my patient's having a surgery, you know you're going to be put on a round of antibiotics. You have to be. I'll use it then. Um, unfortunately, I had acne rosacea and it was horrible and I felt like I was 12 going through puberty and I went on an antibiotic, but I you know, spaced out and partnered it up with a strong probiotic. I will use probiotics intermittently, but not continuously, not as a, a be-all end-all band-aid.
0: Yes, I agree. And I, I always say if you're taking the same probiotic for longer than three months, mm-hmm it's not doing anything your gut needs variety and mm-hmm. probiotics there's i don't there's two of them and they're currently working on a third at systemic formulas but i like to rotate them Yep. so you do one NBC, then abc then soon neurobiotic and i just rotate those three things because this, we need variety and our gut needs variety we need variety in foods
1: mm-hmm.
0: and people are like so desperate that they're not eating anything anymore um, my big thing when people ask me what should I eat, I'm going to eat food. Yeah, going to eat, make a healthy food. Yeah, I mean, don't be terrified. Don't be scared to, you know, eat food. When we always think we have to, you know, always be cutting back our diet and always be cutting back our intake of food, and yet we're dealing with chronic fatigue. Yeah, well, are we even giving our body enough nutrients to have energy to just run the basics, run the liver, run the heart, run the
1: bloodstream? Like are we feeding our body enough? Right. Well, you right. and I are from the, like growing up in the 80s, 90s, where it was, you know, Weight Watchers and Jenny Craig and calorie counting. And so again, I Fats mean- that's bad. It's so bad. Fat is bad. Low fat, everything. Now it's gluten-free. Going. If it's gluten-free ketchup or gluten-free, you know, whatever, it's good. That's <laughs> true. That is true. Gluten-free everything now. And <laughs> yeah. You, know, you see, We still have women that are counting calories and they are freaked out if they go over you know, 1,400 calories because they read in Fitness Magazine in 1999 that they should stay under 1,200 or whatever. And, and I try to explain to them, it's what the food does when it goes in. If I give you 1,000 calories of Oreos and Teddy grams, or 2,000 calories of actually real food and maybe even a little bit of dark chocolate... You're going to lose weight on the higher calorie, or and feel better. Your fatigue's going to improve. Your inflammation's going to go down. You're going to lose weight, or you could be on that thousand calories of Oreos and Teddy grams, and you're going to gain weight. And your insulin's going up, and your inflammation's going up, and your joints are going to hurt. and You're going to have a headache, and you're. I mean, it's just it, we have to get rid of the the calories in, calories out. And to what you said, people, mainly women, are not eating enough.
0: No, we're not. And
1: we, I talked about this on an episode last
0: week with the nutritionist, and I've and I sat there listening to my to her, and we're speaking about are we eating enough to the point where we go all day long and we're busy, 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 and then it's like nighttime, and it's like we're starving, and we got these sugar cravings. Well, it's because our body needs food, and we didn't feed it all day long. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not a fan of intermittent fasting. I don't, know, I don't know about you, but when I find IF people, mm-hmm. they literally are in a calorie deficient regiment mm-hmm. and they're wondering why they're so tired. Well your body is burning everything you're giving it and then it's burning itself too. Breast mm-hmm. fractures and runners. I have three younger brothers who who are all college athletes in the track and world industry. Yeah. But I find and I'll go to track meets and these coaches are like, hey, you need to go talk to this girl. So they bring me, you know, three or four women and we sit down and we have this chat about food. And one of the biggest issues that I see is they're terrified of this 2,000 calorie hangover because it's been drilled in our head that 2,000 calories is where we should all be and they walk around and they see all this obesity around them and they're thinking you know i don't want to be like that so i'm going to eat 1500 calories and then they're going to eat 1500 calories all day long which is exactly what they need to sit on their butt and do absolutely nothing and then they're going to go run eight miles at cross-country practice that day mm-hmm. and then they wonder it's october i'm barely into our cross-country season i've got stress fractures in my femur yeah Well, because your body's eating itself. You are not feeding it enough. And whether you're a high school athlete, cross-country athlete, or whether you're just a mom trying to keep up with all the demands of the day, we don't eat enough. Yeah, And then we wonder why we have so many sugar cravings and we want to eat everything in the pantry at night. And two, why are we so tired? Right. Your body's running on reserves. Yep. Fuel it up. Fuel it.
1: Exactly. I got my
0: I got my snacks right here because I went and st- stocked up over the weekend. So I don't go all day without eating because I'm a culprit myself.
1: Yep. And I-, I find
0: that you know the brain fog starts kicking in at the end of the day, and you eat all day, all night long because you've starved your body all day. Mm-hmm. So if you were to grab whatever it is, keep the snacks on handy. I got my Aussie bites right here, and I got my the other things I like are those beef sticks. I get yeah. the Tillamook sticks.
1: Oh, Tillamook. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: Just like if you need that stuff on hand, and then of course meal prep and have the food cooked in the fridge, because if it's cooked, you'll eat it. If you have to prepare it,
1: maybe not. Right. So eat, 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 people. Don't be scared of food. You know, with intermittent fasting, I always say do it naturally. Like if you are one of those people that wake up and you legitimately are not hungry, like eating early makes you nauseous, whatever, and you're just not hungry and you are listening to your body, you are tuned in and listening to your body. And maybe you don't get hungry until 11 or 12. That's fine. I'm fine with you listening to your body and legitimately not eating. But if you wake up at 8 a.m. and you are hungry and you're a type A and you say, today I told myself I was going to intermittent fast, so I am not going to eat until noon or 1 and I'm going to do 16 8 you're overriding your body's hunger signals and you will pay the price. So now you're talking cortisol going up. So now cortisol is going up. That's interfering with your thyroid function. That's dysregulating your your hunger signals. So like you said, you're going to crave sugar at the end of the day. You can't override it. If it happens naturally... Fine, and I I guarantee you it's not going to happen naturally every day. I'm one of those where I wake up, I could go till you know, usually about 10 30, 11, something like that. That's when I'll first eat. But there are days where I wake up and I'm like, you know what, it's 7 a.m. and I'm hungry, starving. I am starving, so I'm going to eat because I'm not going to override my body's hunger signals and pay the price later.
0: I like that. I like that concept, listening to our body, obeying it, and if we want, like for me. If if I want a bite of chocolate after a healthy meal, which is more common in part of the cycle and other parts of the cycle, mm-hmm. you know, I'm gonna grab, go grab my bite of chocolate, and that's all I need is a bite. Yeah. But I listen to it, and I know hormones, and two, I'm not. It's not me because I'm weak. I'm not. It's not my ability to overpower something. It's right. my body telling myself, hey, I, you just need a little bit more. Go grab a bite and, you, and you'll be done. Now, if you have to have the entire Snickers candy bar, that's a different story. But if you can just say, I just need a bite and then I'm satisfied, you know that your blood sugar is right and right where it needs to be.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, what are your thoughts on, since you said blood sugar? I love this conversation, by the way. It's just flowing. It's, I love it. What are your thoughts on like CGMs or even just the average person getting a glucometer and testing?
0: If your insurance is going to pay for it, great. Yeah, uh, what's another one of those things where I don't want to rack up the bill? But it's also if you're already freakish about your food, I'm not going to make you test your blood sugar and become even more of a freak about yeah. it. I mean, I can't remember the exact word, but there's an actual term now, just like anorexia and bulimia. Yep. Orthorexia. There yep. you go. Orthorexia, where they are, we're so strict, and we have people who. Like I literally had a phone call last week where she can't lose weight. She's got the, you know, the thyroid, the normal thyroid lattice, but it has all the thyroid symptoms. And she literally walks me through over the phone, her exact diet down to the cup, down to the half a cup, down to the third a cup.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and, you know, we have this in our mindset where when we're talking to somebody, we're going to tell them that we're eating healthy and we're proud of it. And it's a great thing that we're eating healthy, but I'm a realist. I'm a mom too. If I want to eat, go and have my teddy bear grams with my kid, I'm going to go eat my teddy bear grams with my kid. And I'm not going to care if I tell the doctor or, or what, but she was literally down to the third of a rice cup and, you know, half a sweet potato and like literally had everything so mapped out that we have become so like food isn't even enjoyable anymore. Yeah. It's this job that we have to, we just, we have to eat because we have to eat. Whereas ask yourself, literally, when was the last time you sat down and you actually enjoyed what you ate? Right. And you literally said to, my, said to yourself, man, this tastes so good. And you just sat and enjoyed it. And who cares about the calories and who cares about the gluten and who cares about whatever is in it? We have such this, this big time issue about our food that is literally consuming people's lives. Mm -hmm. And they are cutting everything out just to survive. That's a great place to start. Remove the fence of sensitivities. Great place to start. It's not a great place to end. Do you really want to live like that forever? I mean, I personally want to go enjoy the the fudge at the Christmas parties and, you know, have the cake at my son's birthday party or whatever it is. And know that I'm not going to regret this for five days later. Right. start off with the food sensitivities, do the work that's necessary to heal your gut and to remove the inflammation, to remove the internal stressors, then it's like, whoa, I can eat food again and I don't regret it. Mm -hmm.
1: Yep. And then lower the insulin, optimize the thyroid, and you won't gain five pounds by looking sideways at a brownie. Yeah, can actually, have it and be okay.
0: Yeah, I know people who are they've been doing keto for so many years, and it's like they look at watermelon and just looking at their favorite fruit in the summer, and just, they're like, "I gained five pounds." Okay, well, how do we transition? Keto's great; it's great for another. It's like a season. Yeah, like we go through four seasons of the year. Yep, I'm in Utah. We've got the four seasons of the year. So realistically, our diet should change every four seasons, but because of the grocery store, it doesn't. But if we think about this, like, okay, I'm going to have fresh fruits in the summer, do it because that's when they're available. And that's natural, normal. Whereas I'm going to have more of the frozen vegetables, the steamed vegetables in the winter, because that's, you know, the four seasons and that's when they're becoming available. But this idea of we are so strict on our food that it's becoming more of a detriment. Mm -hmm. And, And to think, To say to somebody, well, you're going to lose weight if you eat more food blows their mind. (laughs) If you eat more food, you're going to speed up your metabolism and you will therefore lose weight. But we are so ingrained to to always, always, always feel like we're cutting back. We could be eating 1,500 calories, but mentally we're saying, oh, I need to cut back. I'm not losing the weight. Yep. What if you were to eat 3,000 calories?
1: Then what would happen? You might actually have the energy Yep. and you might actually lose the weight too. There's an interesting study out that I refer to whenever I give a seminar on calories in, calories out, that whole myth. And I think even um, Dr. Jason Fung referred to it in one of his talks, too, on obesity, that this was decades ago, but a scientist wanted to do a study on calories. And he was going to use college students, but he actually couldn't get them to eat enough. So he goes to a prison. And he takes these prisoners and he gives them 10,000 calories a day. Don't ask me the breakdown, I don't know. That's 10,000 calories, amount. <laughs> crazy amount. And some of them did gain a little bit at first, but then actually leveled out. There was only one man in the study that gained and kept on gaining where they had to adjust his caloric intake, but it was proof that our bodies actually adjust our metabolic rate to the calories that we're taking in. I mean, now, you know, we could get into if you're eating garbage and then insulin resistance and diabetes. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But it's it's kind of anti-starvation study. It's basically saying, if we increase your calories, maybe not to 10,000, but if we just increase them and hold it, your body's metabolic furnace will catch up and you will burn those calories. And then the flip side is another study did... They called it a semi-starvation diet, which it cracks me up because the the men actually had 1,564 calories a day, which I wouldn't necessarily call that starvation. It's pretty low, but neither here nor there. Semi-starvation diet, it was something like, it it was a brief amount of time, like one to two weeks, their body temps dropped by 50%, and they all started having like images and cravings of donuts and pizza like so their hunger and their their obsession increase and we all know this whenever you go on a crash diet and you starve yourself you start having dreams of donuts and you get cold and your metabolic rate drops and then as soon as you come off that fad diet you're gaining the weight back and then some so their metabolic rate plummeted when they cut their calories so that's just kind of yeah it comes back around to
0: just eat yeah there's a book called the Gabriel method that i read Probably ten years ago, to completely change the way I thought about one obesity and two food in, food out, because he's this four hundred pound man used to be really fit, you know, gets into the this work environment, gains weight, gains weight, gains weight, tries every diet under the sun. We goes and talks to Doctor Atkins himself, okay. and I finally realizes, you know, my body weight is a physical protection from this specific individual. That I felt harmed by in my work environment. A completely different mindset to me, and so I've said when people are like, "Well, I've tried this and I've tried I've tried everything to lose weight." Well, if diet and exercise was it, we wouldn't see a trillion different results when we type in "how to lose weight" into Google. Like it's more than just diet and exercise. Mm-hmm. So I, I ask people like, "Is your body subconsciously a protection?" from something in your outside environment. And I've literally had people say, "So you're telling me that I'm not going to lose weight until my husband dies?" <laughs> right? <laughs> like or another another young, you know, 18-year-old says, "Well, all of the girls that I know who are quote skinny are brats. I don't want to be like that." So, we have all these it's more than diet and exercise underneath us that literally is your body using weight as a protection from something harmful in your external environment and if it is one can you eliminate it like this gabriel guy he john gabriel is his name he realized that it was a specific individual in his work environment totally changed his career totally changed where he worked and it went off like crazy like he should wait, didn't have to change anything so there's a huge 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 I mean, I will never say, I will never market that I'm going to be a weight loss coach or I'm going to say that I'm going to help you lose weight because there's so many factors into it. And if we circle back to the thyroid, that free T3, the very, very bottom of the food chain when it comes to the HPT access, that very bottom guy, he is responsible for going out and talking to every single cell in your body. And he yep. tells your cells speed up the metabolism so you can lose weight. But if you don't have enough, now that communication's not there, yep. and it's just going to be a, a downstream mess too. So literally, there are so many components going on internally as well as externally that play a role. And and you know as well as I know that some of the, the you know the Barbie dolls that we associate with in the in our world. They're some of the sickest, unhealthiest people ever. And some of the people who are, you know, 20, 30, 40 pounds overweight are some of the healthiest people ever too. So our concept of weight, Mm -hmm. and and it just disgusts me when I hear people, and I've heard this more because I'm in Utah, it's, it's a cultural thing. But like one specific lady nearby is so focused on losing another 20 pounds. One, she'd look anorexic if she did. And two... You no, know, it doesn't matter about all my underlying health issues. If I can fit the model that I'm supposed to fit in, that's all that matters to me. It doesn't matter that I have all these other ugly issues. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know what? Let's totally drop the idea of weight and the scale. And let's just say, i want to get healthy. Yep. I want to be able to live my life and not just survive my life. There's a big difference. And I think if we can take that mindset shift and we can go from where we're at now and just upgrade it one level, then continue to upgrade at another level. And now it's like I'm, you know, 20 pounds overweight and I don't care. I'm happy with myself because I feel good and I'm the mom that I want to be. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm saying that from I'm 10 months postpartum. I probably, you know, still have my 10 pounds of baby weight and I don't care about That's losing okay. it right now. No. But and if and I'm not gonna go add in the exercise regimen to just be another stressor on my body, right? If I want to, you know, jump down on my spin bike and do a spin bike routine for 20 minutes and I feel good about doing it, I'm going to go do it. But if I go get on that spin bike and it's happened where I literally can't even push the pedal around. Yep. Get off of it. Be done. Yep. Don't push through it. And I, and I do that.
1: Yep. Back to listening to your body. It circles back around to that. And, and just really quickly on weight, my whole story goes back to me competing. So back in my twenties, I competed in fitness figure, did fitness modeling, and it was diet down, diet down. I'm not a naturally uh, walking around like a little beanpole with these, you know, girls that their hips are the size of a little boy's. I'm just built. I'm petite, but I'm built a little bit thicker. And you my got some family curves, has, you got some bone structure. I got some bones, so I would have to bust my ass every time I would do that. And I would, of course, on that one day on the stage, that one day in front of the camera, fantastic. But was it healthy? Absolutely not. There was nothing healthy about it. My period stopped. I am convinced that that is actually what either triggered my Hashimoto's or caused my thyroid to shut down. Now, it's been a blessing. You know, hey, God gave me that and took me through that journey to be able to help other people. I'm fine with it. I'll take it. But but I, I, I basically did it to myself. So we can bring on diseases by over-dieting, under-eating, over-exercising, crushing our adrenals, you know, trying to get to this ideal that we see on media where, by the way, all, all the pictures are airbrushed. I was in a before and after picture ad, you know, back when we had magazines and not the internet. And even back then, they airbrushed me thinner for the after, and they airbrushed me fatter for the before. And it was it was basically just when I was doing a competition that the company said, hey, let's do a before and after. I was like, oh, no. And so, you know, you eat pizza and you stand there with no makeup and your stomach's out. Well, they airbrushed the before to look larger. And then the day of my competition, I took after photos and that still wasn't enough. They airbrushed it even smaller. So you think they could do that back in 2000? They can do it now even better. So mm-hmm. what you see is not what those people look like whatsoever. And by trying to reach that ideal, you're going to crush your thyroid, you're going to crush your adrenals, you're going to crush your hormones. So you're going to be a, a, a postmenopausal woman by the age of 25. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. We could go on and on, but it's crazy.
0: Yeah. My husband's in the natural bodybuilding world too. He did the competitions as well. Mm-hmm. And and to see the women get to be as thin and as they are, it's just like you are destroying your hormones.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No idea what After you're doing.
1: They're like 40 pounds heavier than they started. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Luckily, he hasn't done competitions and probably, well, we've been married now for six years on, on, what day today's the 22nd the 24th what day is that Wednesday Thursday yeah. is our anniversary very nice but yeah he hasn't done that since we've been married but seeing the women and he's and at first it was like you know would you ever be interested into this and I no I'm not destroying my hormones and one I like food I don't want to just eat cucumbers and rice and chicken yeah I want to enjoy my food and and at first it was I don't look like them is he gonna want me to look like them because that's the women he's around. Mm-hmm. And so getting confident in my own skin had to happen while we were uh, while we were dating. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I would have never said yes. Right. But yeah, getting the confidence and then just knowing I want to focus on my health. Mm-hmm. And if I'm feeling good health-wise, I don't care what the skill says. Exactly, or what size I wear, you know. I'm going to be different body structure than you, and someone else is going to be different body structure, and whether it's a bone mass or or whatever it is, and people, you know, some people look great with curves, and some people look great as a Barbie doll, whatever it is. Just be confident in your skin, yep. and make sure you're feeding your body. We're not feeding it enough. No, and thyroid requires food. Mm-hmm. Everybody in regards to thyroid. So Amy is the the podcast host of Thyroid Fix. So definitely go check out her Podcast and learn all about the thyroid. So real quick is three tips on better thyroid function and health.
1: Better thyroid function. So it, whether you don't know if you have a thyroid problem or you know you have a thyroid problem and you're still struggling, get all of the testing. Uh, just exactly what Kyla and I talked about in the beginning. Get the, the TSH, free T3, free T4, throw in a reverse T3, get the antibodies, and then get all the other tests done so that whoever you're working with can have the full picture. So the- the We shouldn't say whoever.
0: You either work with me or you work with Amy because we're the specialists in this reading lab stuff. Although I
1: am teaching doctors how to read labs because more people need to know this stuff. That's beautiful. Yeah, more people do need to, even in functional medicine worlds. Yes. We need to know how. So all the labs, all, 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 all the, all the hormones, insulin, like you said, vitamin D, get your zinc, get your mag, get your selenium, get that full, full picture of all your labs. That's part one. Part two is find the right treatment plan. So whether there is an underlying infection, a, a gut issue, whether you, maybe you do need thyroid hormone replacement therapy. Maybe we use it for a short period of time. Maybe we use it for a long period of time. Everybody's individual, but you have to get that treatment plan that fits you instead of just getting thrown a Band-Aid. Here's your T4, here's your antidepressant, and your blood pressure medication. See you later. So that would be part two. And then, yep, part three is do not starve yourself. Cycle keto. I'm actually working on on a course called Keto for the Week. I do. I like low carb. I don't think you have to go into deep ketosis, like less than 20 grams. And I hate the whole... Counting carbs with net, I don't. I don't do the net carbs whatsoever. But come out of ketosis and give your body some more carbs, and then go back in. Then come back out and go back in. You can do it on a weekly basis, like maybe you just go like keto for the week and then come out of it on the weekend, or you can do it seasonally. Where in the summer you're adding in a little bit more carbs, just like our ancestors did, and then in the winter you go into a ketosis. But still, I would say even with with even in the winter. With thyroid patients, I would not go low, low, low ketosis, carbs for a long, long, long period of time. I would still come out of it every once in a while, throw in the sweet potatoes, throw in some you know, tubers and squashes, anything to get that up a little bit.
0: I'm no expert in keto, but if you were to say, given people an example of what's the longest duration you ever want to stay keto and then kick yourself out of it, what would it be?
1: You know, I mean, two to three weeks. You know, Sometimes when people are just starting out, they, they really need to get more in the groove and kind of make it more of a lifestyle. Maybe they've been doing dirty keto, maybe they've been doing keto that they saw on the internet and they just feel like garbage and they're not they're just not doing it right. I would say when once we get you on the right plan that fits your body, sometimes just you know being consistent for two to three weeks, but after that, you got to break it. You got to come out of it because you're going to tank your T3. So even if it's for a couple days, just increase. I mean, yeah, you can have a a real cheap meal. I mean, go have, you know, a a bun with your burger because it's the best burger in the world and some sweet potato fries. That's my choice. But yeah, you can come out of it and then just go back in. And what you'll find is that your body becomes way more efficient at burning fat by doing it that way.
0: Yeah, people stay in it for way too long. And I like your two to three week limit. That's kind of my concept too with my 21 days. But go for a short time period, kick your body out of it so then it never gets adjusted and you can continue to burn, whereas you burn the fat and plateau. And like then it's like you look at carbs and you're gaining weight. So I like that two to three time limit. At first I was thinking more of a three month, but a two to three week time limit is even more genius.
1: Yeah, and then, I mean, you're not coming out of it for a full week you're just coming out of it for a day or two and then going back in.
0: Yeah, Saturday, Sunday, I think yeah. Monday through Friday, Saturday through Sunday. Yeah, yeah,
1: cool. A glass of wine, you know? There you go. Enjoy a little bit. So yeah. now for you, I can ask you the top 3 with gut or infections because you're a guru on both. So however you'd like to answer that. My top 3 for
0: both. I, we can just keep it both because they're underneath the same umbrella. Yep. But definitely, definitely, definitely get your labs. You have access to them. Go get them and tell yours and ask yourself, what's my blood cell? My blood cell count. Is it less than five or greater than eight? If that's the case, then I need to jump down and, and reading the, the additional portions can get a little dicey. In fact, you can even identify autoimmune disease in that portion, but you have to know the pattern. So it can't, it's not just straightforward. So if you're looking at your labs and saying, well, I don't, my, my numbers don't really fit her markers. We went, we kept it very simple. So definitely get your labs. And then number two, eat a variety of foods. Whether it's going to the grocery store and grabbing you know, a vegetable that you've never had or you haven't had in 10 years. Over the weekend, I got Brussels sprouts. And I was like, oh man, I haven't had these in so long. These are so good. Just getting a better variety of food in our body is number two. And then last but not least, number three, if you do have an internal stressor, remove it, find the right treatment plan, aka custom Amy or talk to me, and then whatever else you do will work because you've gotten rid of the internal stressor. And 99% of individuals that I, that I helped that have already worked with some other natural path, functional medicine, whatever they want to call themselves, but they missed because they didn't pull the labs and didn't read it right. They missed the big underlying issue. If you're fighting an infection, you're not going to get pregnant. You're not going to lose weight. You're not, there's so many things that it's going to st- prevent you from doing because it's stress on the body. And you can eliminate all the external stressors, but if you don't eliminate the internal one, you're still fighting. really, really common with infertility to find an infection and then get rid of it. And it's like, oh, I didn't know that was possible. I didn't have to pay $15,000 for a chance IVF. Right. Right? So labs are important. Get them. Mm -hmm. Make sure you're eating a variety of foods and then do the work necessary to eliminate the underlying internal stressors, most likely the
1: infections. Beautiful. Very well said. Well, we, we've we given the listeners so much information. For them not to take this and run with it would be foolish. Yes. So, yeah, this has been amazing. I love this. I, I love how we did this, and it just flowed, and this was just great. Great, great, great. Very and Amy, cool. for you, you have the Thyroid Fix podcast. Where else? Yep, Thyroid Fix podcast. And like you, I am more active on Facebook. I do Facebook Lives every Monday. So you can check out my Facebook page at Dr. Amy Horneman And then my website, DR, so doctor, Horneman.com This has been awesome. Same with me. Yeah, <laughs> thank you so much. I hope
0: you learned more about your thyroid in the last 60 minutes than you have in the last 60 Google searches. If you're ready to start healing beyond the diagnosis to truly conquer thyroid problems, come join us Monday, May 3rd for the Free to Heal Thyroid 6-Week Program. You can find all the details, including all the other six-week programs we're beginning on Monday, May 3rd, right on my website at com, D-R-K-Y-L-I-E-B-U-R-T-O-N. And we will see you Monday. Let's celebrate your success next.